Chapter Thirty of the Covered Wagon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Covered Wagon by Emerson Huff. Chapter Thirty: The Dance in the Desert. There was no wedding that night at the Independence Rock. The Arapahoes saw to that, but there were burials the day following. Six of them, two women, a child three men. The night attack had caught the company wholly off guard, and the bright fire gave good illumination for shaft and ball. Put out the fires! Corral! Corral! Voices of command arose. The wedding guests rushed for the shelter of their own wagons. Men caught up their weapons, and a steady fire at the unseen foe held the latter at bay after the first attack. Indeed, a sort of panic seized the savages. A warrior ran back, exclaiming that he had seen a spirit, all in white, not running away from the attack, but toward them as they lay in cover. He had shot an arrow at the spirit, which then had vanished. It would be better to fall back and take no more like chances. For this reason the family of Molly Wingate, pursuing her closely as they could, found her at last, lying face down in the grass, her arms outspread, her white wedding-gown red with blood. An arrow, its shaft cracked by her fall, was embedded in her shoulder, driven deep by the savage bowman who had fired in fear at an object he did not recognize. So they found her still alive, still unmutilated, still no prisoner. They carried the girl back to her mother, who reached out her arms and laid her child down behind the barricaded wagon-wheels. "'Bring me a candle, you,' she called to the nearest man. It chanced to be Sam Woodhull. Soon a woman came with a light. "'Go away now,' the mother commanded the disappointed man. He passed into the dark. The old woman opened the bodice over the girl's heart, stripped away the stained lace that had served in three weddings on two sides of the Appalachians, and so got to the wound. "'It's into the bone,' she said. "'It won't come out. "'Get me my scissors out of my bag.' It's hanging right side the seat, our wagon. Ain't there no doctor, she demanded, her own heart weakening now. But none could tell. A few women grouped around her. It won't come out of that little hole it went in, said stout Molly Wingate, not quite sobbing. I got to cut it wider. Silence held them as she finished the shreds of the ashen shaft and pressed to one side the stub of it. So with what tools she knew best she cut into the fabric of her own weaving, out of her own blood and bone, cut mayhap in steady snippings at her own heart, pulling and wrenching until the flesh, now growing purple, was raised above the girl's white breast. Both arms in their white sleeves lay on the trodden grass motionless, and had not shook and strained left the victim unconscious the pain must now have done so. The sinew wrappings held the strap-iron head, wetted as they now were with blood. The sighing surgeon caught the base of the arrowhead in thumb and finger. There was no stanching of the blood. She wrenched it free at last, and the blood gushed from a jagged hole which would have meant death in any other air, or in any patient but the vital young. Now they disrobed the bride that was no bride. Even as the rifle fire died away in the darkness, woman brought frontier drafts of herbs held sovereign, and laid her upon the couch that was not to have been hers alone. 
she opened her eyes moaning held out her arms to her mother not to any husband and her mother bloody unnerved weeping caught her to her bosom my lamb my little lamb oh dear me oh dear me the wailing of others for their dead arose the camp dogs kept up a continual barking but there was no other sound the guards now lay out in the dark a figure came creeping toward the bridal tent is she alive may i come in speak to me molly go on away sam answered the voice of the older woman you can't come in but is she alive tell me his voice was at the door which he could not pass yes more's the pity he heard the same voice say but from the girl who should then have been his to have and to hold he heard no sound at all nor could he know her frightened gaze into her mother's face her tight clutch on her mother's hand this was no place for delay they made graves for the dead pallets for the wounded at sunrise the train moved on grim grave dignified and silent in its very suffering there was no time for reprisal or revenge the one idea as to safety was to move forward in hope of shaking off pursuit but all that morning and all that day the mounted arapahoes harassed them at many bends of the sweet water they paused and made sorties but the savages fell back later to close in sometimes under cover so near that their tauntings could be heard wingate woodhall price hall kelsey stationed themselves along the line of the flankers and as the country became flatter and more open they had better control of the pursuers so that by nightfall the latter began to fall back the end of the second day of forced marching found them at the three crossings of the sweetwater deep in a cheerless alkaline desert and on one of the most depressing reaches of the entire journey that night such gloom fell on their council as had not yet been known the watkins boy died today said hall joining his colleagues at the guarded fire his leg was black where it was broke they're going to bury him just ahead in the trail it's not best to leave headboards here wingate had fallen into a sort of apathy for a time woodhall did not speak to him after he also came in how is she mr wingate he asked at last she'll live i don't know replied the other fever no one can tell we found a doctor in one of the iowa wagons he don't know woodhall sat silent for a time exclaimed at last but she will she must this shames me we'll be married yet better wait to see if she lives or dies said jesse wingate suddenly i know what i wish said caleb price at last as he stared moodily at the coals and i know it mighty well i wish the other wagons were up yes and he did not finish a nod or so was all the answer he got a general apprehension held them all if bridger hadn't gone on ahead damn him exclaimed kelsey at last or if carson hadn't refused to come along instead of going on east assented hall what made him so keen kelsey spoke morosely said he had papers to get through maybe kid carson'll sometime carry news of our being wiped out somewhere or if we had bill jackson to trail for us ventured the first speaker again if we could send back word we can't so what's the use interrupted price 
We were all together and had our chance, once. But buried as they were in their gloomy doubts, regrets, fears, they got through that night and the next in safety. They dared not hunt, though the buffalo and antelope were in swarms, and though they knew they now were near the western limit of the buffalo range, they urged on, mile after mile. The sick and the wounded must endure as they might. Finally, they topped the gentle incline which marked the heights of land between the sweet water and the tributaries of the green, and knew they had reached the south pass, called halfway to Oregon. There was no timber here. The pass itself was no winding canyon, but only a flat, broad valley. Bolder views they had seen, but none of greater interest. Now they would set foot on Oregon, passing from one great series of waterways to another, and even vaster, leading down to the western sea, the unknown South Sea marked as the limits of their possessions by the gallants of King Charles, when generations earlier, and careless of all these intervening generations of toil and danger, they had paused at the summit of Rockfish Gap in the Appalachians, and waved a gay hand, each toward the unknown continent that lay, they knew, not how far to the westward. But these, now arrived half-way of half that continent, made no merriment in their turn. Their wounded and their sick were with them. The blazing sun tried them sore. Before them also lay they knew not what. And now, coming in from the northeast, in a vast braided tracing of traverse poles and trampling hoofs, lay a trail which fear told them was that of yet another war party waiting for the white-topped wagons. It led on across the pass. It could not be more than two days old. It's the crows, exclaimed Sam Woodhall, studying the broad trail. They've got their women and children with them. We have ours with us, said Caleb Price simply. Every man who heard him looked back at the lines of gaunt cattle, at the dust-stained canvas coverings that housed their families. They were far afield from home or safety. Call Wingate. Let's decide what to do, exclaimed Price again. We'll have to vote. They voted to go on, fault of any better plan. Some said Bridget's post was not far ahead. A general impatience, fretful, querulous, manifested itself. Ignorant, many of these wanted to hurry on to Oregon, which for most meant the Williamette Valley. In touch with the sea, marked as the usual end of the great trek, few knew that they now stood on the soil of the Oregon country. The maps and journals of Molly Wingate were no more forthcoming, for Molly Wingate no more taught the evening school, but lay derelict under the hothouse canvas cover that intensified the rays of the blazing sun. It was life or death, but by now life and death issue had become no unusual experience. It was August, midsummer, and only half the journey done. The heat was blinding, blistering, for days now, in the dry sage country, from the ford of the North Fork of the Platte, along the Sweetwater and down the Sandy, the white alkali dust had sifted in and over everything. Lips cracked open, hands and arms either were raw or black with tan. The wagons were ready to drop apart. A dull silence had fallen on the people. 
but fatuously following the great indian trail they made camp at last at the ford of the green river the third day's march down the pacific slope no three days of all the slow trail had been harder to endure than these play for them jed counselled caleb price when that hardy youth leaving his shrunken herd came in for his lunch that day at the ford yes but keep that fiddle in the shade jed or the sun certainly will pop it open jed's mother her apron full of broken bits of sagebrush turned to see that her admonishment was heeded before she began her midday coffee fire as for jed himself with a wide grin he crouched down at the side of the wagon and leaned against the wheel as he struck up a lively air roaring joyously to his accompaniment get out the way old dan tucker you're too late to get your supper unmindful of the sullen apathy of men and women the wailing of children stifling under the wagon tops the moans of the sick and wounded in their ghastly discomfort jed sang with his cracked lips as he swung from one jig to the next the voice of the violin reaching all the wagons of the shortened train choose your partners rang his voice in the joyous jesting of youth and marvel and miracle then and there those lean brown folk did take up the jest and laughingly gathered on the sun-seared sands they formed sets and danced danced the dance of the indomitable at high noon the heat blinding the sand hot under feet not all of which were shod molly wingate herself fifty and full-bodied cast down her firewood caught up her skirt with either hand and made good an old-time jig to the tune of the violin and the roaring accompaniment of many voices and of pattered hands she paused at length dropping her calico from between her fingers and hastened to a certain wagon side as she wiped her face with her apron didn't you hear it molly she demanded parting the curtain and looking in yes i did i wanted i almost wanted to join mother i almost wanted to hope again am i to live where are we now by a right pretty river child and in most to oregon come kiss your mother molly let's try whereupon having issued her orders and set every one to work at something after her practical fashion the first lady of the train went frizzling her shaved buffalo meat with milk in the frying pan grumbling that milk now was almost at the vanishing point and that now they wouldn't see another buffalo but always getting forward with her meal this she at last amiably announced well come and get it people or i'll throw it to the dogs flat on the sand on blankets or odds at ends of hide the emigrants sat and ate with the thermometer had they had one perhaps a hundred and ten in the sun the men were silent for the most part with now and then a word about the ford which they thought it would be wise to make at once before the river perchance might rise and while it still would not swim the cattle we can't wait for any one not even the crows said wingate rising and ending the mealtime talk let's get across methodically they began the blocking up of the wagon bodies to the measurement established by a wet pole thank the lord said wingate they'll just clear it now if the bottom is hard all the way one by one the teams were urged into the ticklish crossing the line of wagons was almost all at the farther side when all at once the rear guard came back spurring corral corral he called 
he plunged into the stream as the last driver urged his wagon up the bank a rapid dust cloud was approaching down the valley indians called out a dozen voices corral man for god's sake quick corral they had not much time or means to make defense but with training now become second nature they circled and threw the dusty caravan into the wanted barricade tongue to tailgate the oxen could not all be driven within the loose stock was scattered the horses were not on picket lines at that time of day but driving what stock they could the boy herders came in at a run when they saw the wagons parking there was no time to spare the dust cloud swept on rapidly it could not spell peace for no man would urge their horses at such pace under such a sun save for one purpose to overtake this party at the ford it's bill jackson exclaimed caleb price rifle in hand at the river's edge look out men don't shoot wait there's fifty indians back of him but that's jackson ahead now what's wrong the riddle was not solved even when the scout of the missouri train crowded ahead by the steady rush of the shouting and laughing savages raised his voice as though in warning and shouted some word unintelligible which made them hold their fire the wild cavalcade dashed into the stream crowding their prisoner he was no less before them bent bows back of him guns ready they were stalwart naked men wide of jaw great of chest not a woman or child among them all painted and full armed my god men called wingate hastening under cover don't let them in don't let them in it's the crows. End of chapter 30